the nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik, and I'm co-founder and managing partner of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions has been around for over 12 years and is the leading provider of lines of credit to small nonprofits throughout the United States. Our line of credit program is easy, inexpensive, and costs nothing until you used, making it a great cash backup plan for your nonprofit. I think it's the number one reason why we are such a well-known uh, uh, organization for small nonprofits because they've been dying for this type of product for a long, a long time. It was always very, very hard for a nonprofit to get approved for a line of credit, but now it's not. If you would like to learn more about the program, please visit us at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. And if you decide to apply today, we will even give you a $250 credit on file. Or feel free to give us a call at 862-207-4118. Just remember the time to set up your line of credit is today, not when the emergency actually comes up. And because it doesn't cost anything to set up the line of credit when it's not being used, it just makes complete sense to have it for emergencies. Today, I'm very excited to be speaking with Lori Jacobwith uh, from Ignited Fundraising. Uh, Lori L. Jacobwith is a nationally recognized fundraising cons- culture uh, change expert and master storyteller who has been named one of America's top 25 fundraising experts. She has delivered more than 10,000 coaching and training sessions that have helped nonprofit organizations raise more than $500 million from individual donors. Lori helps staff and board members share their stories powerfully and effectively to cause donors to give more. With a BA in political science and speech communications from the University of Minnesota, Lori also has training from Indiana University Fundraising School and is a longtime member of the Association of Fundraising Professionals. Lori, welcome to today's Nonprofit MBA podcast. Thank you so much, Stephen. I'm honored to be here. I'm just delighted that you invited me, and I'm excited about our topics. And I'm glad you accepted, too. This is going to be a good, you mean, you have such great background. Uh, you know, this is a, a topic that you know, really has been talked about for years and years and years. So, I mean, we're going to get in today's topic is how to use storytelling to raise more money. And so I'll make a couple of observations uh, that I've seen since I've been in this industry. Storytelling, the idea behind this for nonprofit has been around for a while, hasn't it? Oh, gosh. Storytelling forever. Nonprofits, uh, at least in the last 20, 25 years, I've noticed an up you know, upswing in the use of stories for sure. Yeah. And and now what I'm starting to see, I'm doing more and more podcasts where people are showing the, what's the storytelling theme is still there, but it's the vehicle now. So you could do storytelling through video. You can do storytelling through, you know, uh, uh, words. You can do storytelling through um, other media, uh, social media, you know, just all different things. And it seems that, you know, it's, it's just, there's a lot of ways to tell your story, isn't there? 
There are a lot of ways to tell your story. There are a lot of different stories to share, not just client stories. There's founder stories and board stories and staff stories. And what I'm most passionate about is your money story. Yeah. Well, when you are, have you seen a change uh, since you've been brought in? Like, is it still like from 10 years ago where you have to teach board members, you know, how to do their story or have they gotten more, have they gotten used to it? I wish I could tell you that every nonprofit I work with has board members who get that really just talking about someone they've met whose life is different from the organization is magical and and it really is magical. Every organization that I work with, even the ones I've worked with for a long time, need to be reminded. The good ones start a board meeting with what I call a mission moment story. Wow. Only they have the board members rotate and each month a different board member shares a mission moment story. Others at the other end of the spectrum, uh, I've got board members telling me, I don't know enough about the organization. I can't tell a story. And they're not even realizing they have their own story to tell and that their, their job is to be an ambassador of the organization. What a great idea. I, I gotta uh, tell you, I, um, I just joined the board of a new uh, of a nonprofit. So this is a uh, first time. I I was on the board before, but it wasn't like it was a tennis board, so it wasn't a big deal. But now I've joined a a, a real nonprofit, uh, and you know I've done so many of these podcasts. You know that you know I'm, a lot. <laughs> well, I know a lot, but I haven't really kind of implemented them myself. So that there's a big difference between experience and knowledge, right? Right. And I think your idea behind, you know, and so I'm trying to teach as a small, smaller nonprofit. I'm, the first thing I want them to do is we need to do a strategic plan because they don't have a strategic plan. And so right. I can take my business skills and apply it very well yeah. to, you know, but your idea of having each one of the board members go around, not only does it help you with fundraising, right? Not only does it help you keep your board engaged with the purpose and the mission and, and what you're really about, but it really works on your skills to tell a story, right? So it's a really good idea. Well, and it has, uh, if you do it well, you make sure that you provide a little bit of time, maybe 30 seconds or a minute for people to give feedback. What did you, where were you inspired? What would you have liked to know more of or less of? So now you're training your board to be coaches of each other, and it's not a scary thing to do. Can I can I share a quick story about uh, uh, please. how how well this has worked? So a number of years ago, the CEO of a Volunteers of America affiliate down in New Orleans, his name is is Jim. He made sure that as orientation for board members, they got to meet a client. And they got to choose which service area. So some people, uh, an adopted, uh, you know, a dad who was adopted, he chose the adoption program. Someone else chose education. Well, I got to work with them for a little bit, but they also just got really good and passionate because they got to sit down with that person. And now they had a real life human being they're talking about, not something they're reading from a piece of paper. So one board meeting, Jim comes in and he says, I'm looking for one volunteer to come with me to meet a community foundation 
about a $250,000 request we've put in. I'd love to have you tell your story. Three hands go up immediately and they all three said, no, we're all coming. We have to go tell our story, our story, our story, because they're different stories. And he's like, they said one, but okay, Uh I'll bring y'all. So Jim does his sort of dog and pony show budget questions, but then each of the board members told their story and the program officer said, Jim, I'm going to tell the board, we have to approve your request hundred percent here, not because you did a good job, but because I've never seen such passion and knowledge about who you serve by board members. Mm. They didn't ask for money. They told a story. And their passion for the person could was palpable. So they got a $250,000 gift from these three board members spending 10 minutes yeah. of their life with a human being that they will forever carry in their heart. Well, and also I can see where you you can alleviate board 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 burnout, right? Uh, as exactly. well, and uh, so I, I think your idea, boy, what a God! I could just think if you could implement one idea and you do this one, it's just going to make a huge difference. You know, it makes me think about too um, when you run. Like I've had the I, I've been able to run some pretty big companies uh, and. When you're when you're in an executive position, I'm sure it happens with an executive director too. When they when they're running work, running a non a big nonprofit, you are doing so much that you sometimes like in business you 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 don't talk to the customer anymore. Yeah, right. You just because you're putting out fires, you're dealing with internal issues, you're working strategic plans, so you kind of lose. And you know the in 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 business, you're you're really uh, they emphasize a lot of time that you should take. I remember I worked for Xerox for, uh, for uh, eight years for my first, in my first job. And the CEO of Xerox would go and travel with us. And they, they, what they, it sounds so bad, but they would travel. He'd say one day a month, he has to go out in the field. You're like only that's how much, how busy they were right, that they right. couldn't get one day. They had to get one day a month to go out and see customers. And so I think it's the same thing. I think, you know, having the board, having an executive director, having these people go out and mm-hmm. talk to the, you, you, you forget that's why you're doing this. Right. Well, and that's the thing. It's a passion retread, right? Why are we here? We can get mired in budget and forecasting and strategic planning. But at the end of the day, there's a mission and there's a face, a human being many usually behind that mission, whether you are advocating for social change, whether you are uh, a human service organization. Uh, I've got an organization that does research about the chemicals that are in products that go into the homes and buildings we build. They're a nonprofit. They don't have an end user that's easy to talk about. But I explained to them, each one of their board members has used some chemical in their home already that they didn't know was bad, but you've educated them. So now you've got end users sitting on your board. So it's a way to have that mission sort of kind of, you know, just focus you back again on why is it we do our work. But what you said a couple of seconds ago is really important, and it's about the systems. If we don't have a system to orient 
our staff and our, our board members and have the folks we walk alongside know that talking to us is important, it falls apart. You, you've heard of Atomic Habits, the book that James Clear wrote. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So one of his quotes that I quote a lot and I love is, you do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. If we're not systematizing storytelling, it doesn't emphasize and ambassadorize our work in the way that we want so that we're not the best kept secret in town. Well, I love that quote, and it really relates well to what you're talking about, too. I mean, who, listen, prior to this podcast, who would say, that we need to systematize, and I'm a process and systematized guy. So, but who would say at a nonprofit we need to systematize our storytelling? The fundraising <laughs> person, hopefully. Oh, really? You, know. you think? Yeah, you deal with a lot of them. You think a fundraising, a good fundraising person would say we need to? And well, do you think that they actually do it? They might say it, but do you think they actually do it? Well, there's the rub, right? Uh They know they're supposed to, but then they have to get thank you letters out and grant proposals written and donors met with. And and while they are looking for stories to tell, they've forgotten that they're the person to systematize the storytelling. So I like to say, we're not asking our staff to tell us stories. We're looking for nuggets from our, our board members, our staff, that we build the story from. So you don't ask, you don't say, tell me a story because you get deer in the headlights. You say, who can't you get off your mind? Who do you still remember from your first week on the job? Or who did we say no to last week? Or why are you still giving a donor after 20 years? I just asked that of a gentleman, must be in his late 80s, early 90s, making donor calls for a client. He had the most, Bernard, He had the most wonderful, delightful stories to share with me about why he was giving. So I've been participating in helping this client for about a month, and I've already collected maybe 20 stories, but it's because I ask the question differently. Because one of the first things I was told when I was brought on is, yeah, we don't don't have enough stories because we just don't have the time to collect them. Well, it's how you ask the question, and then you get, you know, bombarded with them. Boy, I would, I'd love to see what, it must be amazing when you do your training sessions with boards. And I just can imagine that they come out of there uh, with the training after. So, um, uh, but I'm trying to think of the right, uh, not engaged. Trying to think well, of that the, is part of it. Uh, well, that. Clear about their, their role. So you've heard of the IDS Tower, maybe in, in downtown Minneapolis. The uh, Mary Tyler Moore hat throwing was outside that building. Uh, and, um, it, it was in her uh, TV show. I was downtown on a Saturday morning a number of years ago, riding up the elevator with a gentleman, and I was going to do a board training for a nonprofit. And uh, he didn't know who I was. I had a briefcase, and he said, uh, "Yeah, you're here early too. I'm having to go to this stupid training. I don't even <laughs> oh, want to no. be here today." <laughs> and uh, he didn't know who I was. That I was going to be the one. So I walk off. And I follow him and he came up to me with his face just embarrassed. Uh, yeah. He said, I am so sorry. I said, no, actually, I am so glad. Yeah. Would you tell me at the end of today's session, it was a three-hour session, 
if anything shifted for you? And you said, well, I'm ready to resign from the board, so I probably won't have anything change. Well, on the first break, Stephen, he came and he knelt down next to me. I was, you know, digging in my briefcase and he said, I get my job now. Mm-hmm. I'm not leaving this board. I'm going to tell my sister's story and That's I'm right. going to tell it to everyone I know. And he had tears in his eyes. He said, now I understand why I'm here and what my job is. I mean, don't you think as a, as I know, I know a lot of our listeners are executive directors and I'm not trying to insult them. Um, uh, everyone's on the edge of their seat right now. Right. Cause I want to see how I'm going to insult them. But um, <laughs> don't you kind of feel bad as a leader when you, when you, you haven't given your people the tools and, and I understand you're, you, you know, you, you, you wear multiple hats, but when you have someone like that who joined your organization and they had a really great purpose and they, they really feel that they, they, it didn't come to fruition, that they weren't able to, don't you kind of feel bad? Of course. And, and, you know, how I forgive that situation and help it move forward is understanding just what you said. There's a lot of plates and reminding staff. So, so here's my, uh, one of my mantras that I say when I'm working with boards and executive directors, it is 100% board responsibility to do what we said we would do. And it is 100% staff responsibility to make sure you are able to do what you said you'd do. Yeah. So if I'm not providing you with those opportunities to meet someone, or I'm just handing you a piece of paper and expecting you to have some emotional engagement with it, shame on me. However, if you put that system in, like board members speaking at the beginning of a board meeting, then we have a way to overcome any overbooked time in my day because now we're providing the exact right opportunity for board members. Remembering that this organization is not their first, second, or even third priority. It might be their family, their job, and their faith come before all of that, or their community, or their, um, they're on a hockey team, or you know whatever it is. So uh, I, I, I forgive and give tools for people to engage together and better connect around how do we want to show up in our community? Yeah, and to be fair to our, our listeners too, listen, I, I'll relate this in a different way. And that is, I when I first started uh, my first uh, company, I was a horrible manager, just horrible. And um, and I really it really bothered me. Um, and so I really worked hard on it. I really worked hard on becoming a better manager, a better leader, and, you know, through a lot of work and a lot of help with other people, a lot of reading and, and, and coaching and whatever, I, I got good at it. And so I think, you know, it's the same thing with storytelling, which I think is, you know, I, if, if you, uh, my guess, if your nonprofit could do one thing, and that's really a job of a great organization, if you need to focus on one or two things that you do really, really, really well and be great at it. I think storytelling is that one one of those things. What do you I think? I do too. Yeah. I the way I say it is to put a face on my impact yeah. as a supporter. Yeah. Because fundraising is about fulfilling the aspirations of our supporters. Right. When I want to make an impact, that's why I'm supporting you. Yeah. 
when I've stopped giving, probably you as well, is when I don't feel so connected. Yeah, there's a, a really great author. He's, he passed away, but his name is Stephen Ambrose. And Stephen Ambrose uh, wrote um, Lewis and Clark. He, he wrote uh, a whole bunch of other books. But he said, he, he, he said, how can you not be interested in history? Yeah. He said, history is about people. Right. And people are the most interesting thing in the world. And I think you can relate that to what we're right. talking about. And that is a nonprofit in most cases is always about people. It's always about people. And Whether you actually have programs and services, direct service or not, there is an end user that is benefiting. Clean water. Yes. There's an end user, yes. uh, clean air, clean, you know, whatever it is, there is someone, a person, a child, a family. Uh, the, the quote uh, is one is a story, two or more is a statistic, and I can't relate to a statistic. So talk about one person. That's all. So, what are the key ingredients of a great story? I love that you asked this question. Uh, first is to have some details. 17 is different than 70. So how old is this person? How tall are they? What did they f uh, look like when they walked through your door? How did they get there? And jot those down. And then what are the things that you can measure that are different for this person because of your work? I can choose from over 600 different products to make my home or my office safe because of your work. Then, so measurable exact results is the thing that's easy to talk about. A home, a job, they're sober, whatever it is, they have an education. The transformations are where we go missing a little bit. Transformations can't be measured, but they're things like felt safe for the first time, uh, looked me in the eye and actually had words to put to their excitement or to their hopefulness. So talking about transformations. And then what I like to have you do is pay attention to the word choices that cause me to feel something. So I can tell you that someone has arthritis so badly that they're in pain all the time. Or I can tell you that those gnarled hands can't hold a hairbrush to brush her daughter's hair in the morning. Mm. Which one causes you to feel something a little bit differently? So it takes a little more time. And then the last step that I use is to put it into any sort of framework that tells me what was life like before, what's life like today, and where are they headed, and share it everywhere. So share it on TikTok or share it on your homepage, put it on YouTube, put it in an appeal letter. You can share the same story over and over, different pieces of it. I have uh, shared some stories for years and had people call back or email and say, so how's she doing now? Is she still needing our help? So it's okay to reuse a story, especially if we've gotten to know that, that person, or if it's my story, the end user out there, you can say, so how are you now doing with the fact that we've cleaned up the three lakes in your neighborhood or the rivers and, and invite those stories back. But that's the framework I use. Now, there's one piece I didn't talk about that is for what I call advanced storytellers. You put a face on my impact, but you also tell me what it takes. 
financially to do that per day, per week, per month. And you let me know that today it'll take, notice it will take, we don't need, we don't need anything. It will take $1.7 million to say yes to everyone who's going to walk through our doors this year. And it's only March, March 2nd. And so we've raised about $230,000. So we've, we've got some work to do. But for $63 for the entire year, this child at an orphanage in Bangladesh has all their basic needs met. $63 for the entire year. And let me tell you a little bit about Anisha. So you tell me this money part of the story without asking, but it's just one of the facts that's woven into the framework of the story. You know, I would have done it in reverse. Is that wrong? I mean, I would. Oh no! Anywhere oh, okay. you'd like to put I would it. Have, in. I would have talked about, talked about Anisha first, and you then can. get into you know what, how how that. So I always thought I could be a great storyteller. So. Um, well, you, know, you are. You have a podcast. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah, I let my guests talk, but yeah, yeah. Um, how do you think the medium of video? And social media, you know, more video, like, you know, I think you're training people to how to talk about stories. You know, I think the medium of video is a little bit more like a presentation, you know, so maybe it's a little different. Well, so for a testimonial story, I'm just doing a training right now and I'm teaching this piece that we just talked about. What is the framework of a story? And the last session in this training series will be, how do you equate that exact same framework when you have someone telling their own story? It's the same. How did I get here? What did I feel? I was ashamed. I was, uh, you know, whatever it was, abused by my spouse or I lost my job. I didn't want anyone to know. What happened is someone listened to me and gave me structure and held me accountable. And now we can start to measure in, in here. And so I got to apply for three jobs. I got one. I'm now getting a steady paycheck. I feel proud versus the shame that I felt before. And I know I'm on a different trajectory. I know my uh, the end of my story hasn't been finished yet, but I know it will have a different ending. And what the organization tells me is it takes about $750 to train the staff person who walked alongside me for the three weeks or six weeks or six months of that program. Mm-hmm. So they can include that the whole, you know, same structure what we don't often do is train our folks to to tell a story. We expect them to know how to tell a story. And unless you know how to tell a good story yourself, you can't coach someone and pull out of them that moving, inspiring story. Well, my that and that's a, actually a secondary concern for me because I think I would be like in my case, I would be great at telling a story. That's that is a, na- a natural state thing for me, but. It, you also got to provide them the uh, uh, the information. Mm-hmm. So if 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 we don't like, I'm thinking about this nonprofit I belong to right now. You know, they they get uh, it's 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 for kids that get um, can't afford a Halloween costume. So oh. and so we uh, hook up people with have Halloween costumes to people who don't have Halloween costumes, and uh, but 
I mean, I just joined the board. I mean, the first thing I'm going to do when I get into, you know, before our next board meeting is I'm going to say, I, I want to really either, can you facilitate me talking to a parent of a kid who got it? And so I can ask some questions, but I shouldn't as a board member have to go out and do that. Right. right. You know, right. really, I think every meeting, you know, you should be providing your people, your board and your staff with, you know, you get video test, just videos of, you know, what your organization has done for the people while they're talking about it, because people probably, they're pretty successful in, in a, you know, on usually on a board level um, in their careers, they probably have had to tell stories in their lives. Hopefully. And, and won't be too shy to retell Correct. something that they've learned. Yeah. The, the structure around practicing at a board meeting builds in some muscle yeah. memory, if you will, I could take a story that most people tell and tell it back to them and move and inspire them more than they had already been moved and inspired mm -hmm. because I've practiced so long. Yeah. So yes, there's a responsibility for staff and remember their plate is full and they're not thinking that you need that yet. Maybe they're thinking you need the names of and phone numbers and of all the other board members and the dates of the meetings. They're forgetting the mission is the through line. So good for you, Stephen, that you're going to be the one to say, all right, how are we going to get our mission, the face of our mission into our board meetings for three to five minutes each week or yeah. each month? Yeah, That will be great. And it'll change the systems around how that organization communicates. So when you do your training for the boards, in this case, um, is it, is it, well, you told us already you did this one training was three hours long, right? Uh, is how do you usually stay? How does it go? So all, all kinds of different ways. Oh. Uh, 90 minutes is a good amount to get started with a board to learn. And I teach them the seven ways they can participate in fund development and not have to ask for money. And one of them is to tell a people story. One of them is to tell the money story. And when we've got our 90 minutes, they break up into twos, even on Zoom, because we can use the breakout rooms, and they go tell a story of someone they've met. Or if they don't have that, I ask them to tell the story about why they joined the board. So even in that 90 minutes, they've learned it's important to give, it's important to thank, it's important to uh, be an ambassador, it's important to invite people to attend things, it's important to hold ourselves accountable, it's important to tell a story about a person and about our money story, and they get time to practice it. Mm -hmm. So it's anywhere from that, you know, initial 90 minutes to I do action planning sessions where we're actually doing some of that. It's like strategic planning, but it's a little bit faster going. We'll, we'll take a whole day to do that, or we'll take two afternoons to do that. And in there is the storytelling training. It's embedded right into it. <clears throat> What's, what is your, what, what, what has been the reaction of people um, that you've seen on a consistent basis after they get the training? What do you hear the most often? I didn't realize or remember how powerful just telling a story is to getting people connected to our mission. Uh -huh. I've forgotten that. Now I get my job. Now I know what we should be doing. 
it's like a light bulb goes off. And the good news is the way I plan the sessions, it's within the first 10, 15, 20 minutes that they get it. So now they listen to everything else that we're going to do at a whole different level. Yeah. Now, there's the aha moment, which is, I really get this, this storytelling, but then there's the actual execution, mm-hmm. right? So is it typical for you to follow up with them in a couple of months and see how they're doing? And, you know, some. I, some. I, I, I would think that like, if, if I was me, I'd be like so excited. I'd be like, oh, yes, I get it. I get the tools. I, I, you know, I, and then I go to do it. I'm like, oh man, this is a lot harder. And I could say, well, I need to practice and stuff like that. But um, I could see where you have this all excitement and then it kind of. Wait, it, it fades away. Yeah, it gets hard. Well, I wouldn't even say the excitement fades away. It's the, oh, this is harder than I thought it was going to be scenario. Usually the harder isn't the word. It's the, oh, I forgot to do that part. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So one of the things that I like to leave behind is an agreement, some sort of menu of ways that I will hold myself accountable as a staff person or a board member. But there are some organizations, one in particular, I've been back there every year for 20 years oh. and we do a, we do a reminder session because there's always new board members and some of them have been through eight of my reminder sessions. So my job is to keep it fresh yeah. and to keep it fun. Uh, but they've raised, you know, 25, $30 million using the tools that I've taught them. So, I mean, honestly, the, the, whatever, you know, whatever it is that you charge, it's, a drop in the bucket compared to what they're raising, right? (laughs) I've had someone say recently, she said, what's the ROI? I said, you know, someone explained to me once that it was like 0.001, the investment that they made compared to what they raised. You know, I I love, I, I tell people when I was a little girl, I wanted to be governor of Minnesota because my parents volunteered in the community and they did all kinds of things. And we did political leafleting and, I thought I wanted to help as many people as possible and I could help everyone in Minnesota if I was the governor, right? Well, I got to work for the governor when I was in my thirties and um, I decided I didn't want that job, but I learned that telling a story, putting a face on impact is what causes people to pay attention. So fast forward, I get to help people all over the world. I didn't have the right job. I had the right concept of what I wanted to be when I grew up. And here I am. I, I get to help people well, tell powerful stories. Yeah. You know, the, uh, I shouldn't bring politics in this to this, but if you watched uh, uh, President Biden's uh, State of the Union last night, you know, another, you know, he uses storytelling a lot to, to kind of, it's, it's always been a natural thing that he uses and, you know, it's it's interesting when he does it because I think not only does he have the he he shows me I, I not only does it tell a good story, but it it helps remind me that he, he 
I, I, quite honestly, I'm going to say it. He's, I think he's a very decent man, regardless if you think he's doing a good job or not. Right. You can't say that he's not a decent man. Yeah. And that, he's, he's a human being with a, a big heart. I agree. And in his, it shows in his storytelling. Yeah, you know, and he's become a little bit more bigger deal to me because, you know, people always, and this is maybe a good uh, segue for this this podcast uh, in that, you know, you want people who are leaders that can relate to what you're going through, right? right. And I, I lost my wife last year. Oh, on, I'm on, sorry. Thank you, unexpectedly. And, uh, and, uh, and so I... I remember early on when I, uh, I I had not heard someone told me about uh, 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 President Biden lost his wife, or, yeah. or, uh, and so uh, it's kind of a crazy story. He, um, I you know I, I listened to an NPR uh, broadcast about it, and he was on, uh, and it was his way before he became president, and um, he was talking about his him. Uh, he was the uh, you know, he still had two sons yeah. and he was still, he was a Senator and he was commuting back and forth on the Amtrak um, yep. to DC. And this is a side note. He, um, uh, uh, I decided early after my wife passed to take my 13 year old to DC on the Amtrak oh, because wow. of him. I, wow. ne- I had never been on the Amtrak and I thought, you know, this would be nice. We'll go to us be the first time my son and I had ever been away together. Uh, just, you know, us two on a trip because my wife and I would, and all of us would travel a lot. Right. And, um, but it was because of him, but th- th- what it relates to is again, the idea about storytelling. Yeah. Right. Of Well, humanizing know. everyday actions that have us, feel connected to other human beings. That's what storytelling is all about, right? We've got the the situation that's difficult going on in the Ukraine, and it, I can hear a news story about it, but when I see pictures and I hear people interviewed who tell their experience, their story, my heart breaks in a whole different that's way. Right. And it gets you away from the idea of, uh, you know, the person's just a robot. Yeah. It's a real life person. Listen, I, my opinion, uh, Putin's getting killed. You know, yes. I mean, he's getting destroyed with a PR uh, and PR is, is all, uh, uh, you know, that's part of warfare too, but you know, and I, listen, I, I mainly watch one or two channels. So, you know, I don't know what some of the other channels are doing, but, uh, but I think he's getting, uh, you know, the whole world is uniting against him. And uh, it's just a new, uh, a, a new way of warfare uh, that we can potentially, you know, res- make, could we resolve this conflict? Not, not resolve is not the right word, but end it early because of the, yeah. the, the press that's involved. Well, the, to, to back to your point earlier with social media, yep. the speed of communication. Yeah. Everyone is a reporter. Yeah. Everyone is consuming more information. And our job really is to compete for, com- that, you know, we're competing for attention through the stories that we tell. Yeah. So it's, you're right in that, you know, it, with all the information that's out there, it, hey, hey, listen, it's not about providing people with more information anymore. You better provide them with, you know, 
good information and it's got to be compelling. Right. You know, it's the, the, the term the, you know, I, I say this to my, uh, my sons, uh, I say, you have all the information that you need. Now it's about how do you use it? Yes. Right. What actions do you take? That's based right. On what you already know. Yeah. Because you, you know, it's not that it used to be when I was younger, you know, you had to go to a library to get the information and look in the encyclopedia. Yeah. You know, now, <laughs> now we carry it with us on our phone. Just amazing how much now I use, uh, you know, I, how much I use YouTube to fix everything, right, you know, here. really. And it meets my, uh, I'm a very visual person. So for me, it's better than reading. So, um, Listen, it's all good stuff. I really, I, you know, it was a really great podcast today. I, you know, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for the invitation. And thank you for letting me be on my soapbox a little bit about being messengers who are ambassadors. Yeah. And uh, let's uh, wish storytelling success to all your listeners. Well, I, uh, I've learned a lot. So I'd like to thank so very much Lori L. Jacob with from Ignited Fundraising for coming on today's podcast. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. And if you like today's podcast, like I know many people really have, uh, please give us a five-star review on your podcasting app to help us get the word out. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Lori, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Well, thanks for asking. They can visit my website, ignitedfundraising.com, or they can check out my uh, Instagram account, Caring Truth Teller, or they can find me, Lori Jacob, with on LinkedIn. Great. Thanks. And um, for all those, uh, uh, all of the listeners out there, I want to thank you all for making the world a better place. Boy, you know, we, we thought war is old, right? Yeah. It's, you know, yeah. it's, and, and I think that I'm hearing that from so many people are like, oh man, aren't we past this? Right. And, uh, you know, we're really not, at least with big countries uh, anyway. Um, but you guys are out there. You're doing all the hard work. I know that Lori and I, we're trying to do our parts too. Um, every day, it's up to all of us. But I want to thank you all for doing all the work that you're doing. However, the weather is about to change and it's going to get nicer out. You need to take a step back, take care of yourself first. You're yeah. not good to anybody if you're burnt out. So take good care of yourself and then your cause will be the beneficiary of all that. So get out there, smell the roses as soon as they come around and enjoy being a person again. Everybody have a fantastic day. Um, thank you for listening to today's Nonprofit MBA podcast.